0: Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. Series this morning on First Corinthians, and uh, then next week we're going to roll right into Second Corinthians. But uh, I am encur- I really am encouraged by the chapter that we have before us this morning, First Corinthians chapter 16. Oftentimes, when maybe you you read some letters in in the Bible, and uh, you get towards the end, and they're like. F- closing remarks and kind of final stuff, and you, you might skim over them, but I, I really want us to spend some time this morning looking at this chapter because uh, I, I think there's a lot of practical application and takeaway for us as we look at this theme of investing our lives. How are we investing um, our lives? Maybe if you have a retirement account, uh, your, uh, your financial advisor or somebody may have told you or you read online, that uh, the retirement account is a long-term account, right? You don't pull it out if the money out if uh, you know the market or, or is going up or going down, and you just wait it out. Um, and so, when we speak spiritually of spiritual investments, God has a lot to say, in fact, about how we invest our time and our resources and those things that God has entrusted us with. And so, uh, in this chapter, we're going to see. That Paul encourages the church in Corinth, but also you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, that a church or a a follower of Jesus that loves to invest is at its best. When you are seeking to invest your life in the things of God, then that's the best life. It's the most meaningful life. It's the most purposeful life that you could live. And Paul's going to give us three practical ways that we can invest our lives. One is... Uh, to invest ourselves in generosity towards the work of God. Secondly, we're going to see the encouragement to invest in opportunities in the mission of God. And then thirdly, we're going to see the investment in sincerity and love towards the people of God. And so uh, we're going to jump right in here and uh, look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. Everyone say collection. Great. I show up to the church for the first time and the pastor's talking about money. Hey, look, I didn't plan on that. As you go through chapter and verse through the Bible, God brings these things up. And I think there's some wonderful takeaways for us uh, as we learn how to be generous with what God's given us. So now concerning the collection for the saints. As... I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do. So uh, we're told a little bit about this collection that uh, this is an offering. This is an an offering that is to be collected by the church for the church, for the ministry of the church, but also Paul's going to take some of this money and uh, bring it to Jerusalem for other churches. And so it's it's, it's always interesting talking about money uh, in the church context, but a couple years back we were still passing, uh, offering pouches and bags throughout the um, sanctuary. And uh, I talked with our team. I said, you know, hey, what if we got rid of these things? And you you should have seen the ice. Like, uh, "Woo! how do we get rid of this? Uh, I have found that you cannot stop people from giving to the work of the Lord, even if there is a basket or not a basket. And I said, you know, uh, everybody does you know, e-commerce, like for everything. So what if we provided an online giving platform? And what if we put boxes in the back? And what if we shared about what God is doing in our ministry? And do you know that when we got rid of passing the basket and provided various ways for people to continue to give, that the giving went up, the generosity went up, and the creativity and the ministry went up? And it's pretty remarkable because uh, I'm so proud of our church that, continues to give. And in fact, uh, just over these past couple of weeks, I I sent an email out to our our worship team because I I didn't know any other way how to express how grateful I was to the team over the past couple of weeks and all the work that they put into Easter. And then over the past six months, just giving and serving and not complaining, but uh, just being available. And when you look at the rest of the church, the church body, you know, COVID these past couple of years for not only all of us, but also for church ministry in the context of church was very difficult and challenging. But I'm so grateful that at Quest Church, as um, we're going to read, there's a verse here in this chapter that Paul says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. That uh, the upheaval that we experienced over these past couple of years with COVID was actually an opportunity to be creative and implement some change that we no- normally wouldn't implement. But it gave us an opportunity, and uh, we have seen the faithfulness of God. There's this old saying, where God guides, God provides, and God has provided all all the way throughout. In fact, throughout COVID, we've seen giving increase. We've seen attendance increase. We've seen service increase. We've seen more volunteers step in to serve. We've seen outreach increase. We've seen evangelism increase, and that is... Because of the Lamb of God, because of Jesus Christ in our midst, because God is working. And when that happens, we uh, have this heart of generosity and this collection goes towards the work of God. In fact, that's kind of the first point here, that Paul instructs the church towards financial generosity. Now, we can give in many other ways. We can give in our time and serving. But uh, Jesus actually talked a lot about the stewardship of our finances and how that stewardship of of our finances, is connected not so much to the bank account, but to the heart and, and the calculation of our heart. So he talks about this collection. Now Paul says, how are you going to give? And uh, we see that in verse 2. So he says, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collection when I come. So the collection is made ahead of time and it's sent when he comes. And when I come, whoever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. So like I said earlier, chapter 16 kind of is a patchwork of a couple of topics here, but ties together with investing our lives. And this first point about Paul talking about the financial investment. Notice, I I see three things here. as you prayerfully consider uh, your investment in the work of God financially. One is Paul encourages the church to have a consistent giving. Secondly, a thoughtful giving. And thirdly, a proportional giving. First, he says on the first day of the week, there's a a consistency in the, in the giving of, uh, of, of the collection of the saints and the generosity uh, that we have towards the work of God. And, uh, this consistency is over time. You know, uh, I think from, from time to time, it's very easy to look at our finances and see how short or small they might be and the needs that we may have. And uh, we think, well, how in the world is this going to uh, make uh, sense with all the bills and taking care of, of all the details? But since God connects the, the generosity of our giving to the work of the Lord... To, um, to our heart, then we know that it's not a calculation. It's not a calculation of the bank account, it's a calculation of the heart. And, and I have found that there will always be something that is competing for my tithe or my giving or my offering. And for some, uh, you know, tithing and giving and offering is a non-negotiable. Uh, I've talked to many people, it's just off the top, it's out of God's blessing and provision in my life. It's a non-negotiable. It's something that we do every single It's a consistent uh, pattern in our lives. But I found also for others, it's not a non-negotiable, it's a non-starter. And there is a tragic disconnect between the joy of giving and investing in the work of the Lord. Why? Because God is teaching you and I financial trust as we faithfully give to Him. We're trusting Him. We're releasing. But oftentimes, I'm speaking of myself, that uh, I want to hold on to things and preserve things and protect things uh, because I'm fearful about how those bills are going to be paid. But God is saying it, it, in, in our finances, but also in this chapter, to live life open-handed, to recognize that what God has given you and I is from him first and foremost. And as we open up our hands, not stingy, not selfish, not uh, focused on ourselves, but open-handed to the work of God, that there is a collection to be taken and there is a work to be done. And uh, as, as I looked out on Easter weekend uh, past couple of weeks ago, and we, uh, we had our largest uh, Sunday service gathering in the history of our church. And then uh, on Saturday, our church just had huge hearts to host our community with nearly 2,000 people from our community, and I couldn't stop crying all day, literally, because I was just seeing the beauty of the body of Christ, loving and giving and ministering and, and helping and reaching out to people, and the gospel was being proclaimed and shared, and people were getting Bibles and prayed for, and kids were being ministered to. It was just, wow, this is what the work of God is. And so as offerings go into baskets or get processed online, we are investing in what Jesus is doing. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing to live open-handed to Him, financially trusting but faithfully and consistently. Notice what he says here, something. To give something. And uh, I think that's a thoughtful thing. Well, what is that something for you and I? You know, consider what that is. And I think it's a great encouragement for us to pray. Pray and ask God, what is it something that you would have for me to give towards your work? But then lastly, he says it's proportional. As you have prospered. Notice that there is uh, there is a consideration of what God has given to us first. And I think just... Uh, just a very simple principle is that God has given all to us. And, uh, and as we give to him, it's not our last, but our first, right? It's, it's our best. And many times I think, you know, even in my life, I think, well, there's whatever's left over, I guess I can give to the Lord, or I guess I can contribute, or whatever it is. And oftentimes, I have it backwards, Uh, The priority is to recognize that God wants all of us. He wants our best. He wants our first fruit. So in this opening uh, verses here in chapter 16, Paul is encouraging the church towards financial generosity, towards the work of God. And then secondly, we're going to see Paul talk about the opportunities that we have and the mission of God. Look at verse 5. Paul says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia. I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. I like that phrase. You can just circle or underline that in the person's Bible sitting behind you. Just turn around right now and just... Just write in their Bible. They'll thank you for it later. No, just kidding. Uh, Ask permission if you want to do that first. But if the Lord permits, I think that's a good way to live life, not only open-handed, but looking for ways to invest your lives in the work of God. But also, you know what? We are not guaranteed the next day. We're not guaranteed the next breath. Paul has talked extensively in this book about the soon and imminent return of Jesus Christ, that the trumpet will blast and the twinkling of an eye, that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. We don't know what is around the corner for us, if the Lord permits. Sure, it's good to make plans and to prepare for, for certain things, but um, uh, make sure those plans and preparations are surrounded around the will of God. God, what is your will? What is your purpose? What is your plan? If the Lord permits, he wants to come. He has a close relationship with this church. He's going to be passing through. He wants to stay a while, but notice he says that the Lord permits, I will tarry, verse 8, in Ephesus until Pentecost. For, this is such a wonderful verse, you can underline it. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there is great joy in that opportunity. Is Is that what it says in your Bible? No. You're like, well, what kind of version is he reading? No. And there are many adversaries. This is such a wonderful principle of just life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is not talking here in this verse about a physical door to a home or a building. It's a metaphor. He's talking about uh, an opportunity that he has to share the gospel with people because of his journeys and because he's in prison or because of people that he meets or just uh, platforms and influence that he has. There's a great and effective opportunity. But what happens when you step out in faith and you trust the Lord, and you get out on a limb, and you feel a little vulnerable, but you know God's calling you, what's going to happen? There's going to be adversity. There's going to be difficulty and hardship. And oftentimes we think the opposite. We think, oh, everything's going to be great. It's going to be all this surplus of money, and you know everyone's going to like me. No, if you uh, want everyone to like you and not to have any adversity in life, don't say anything, don't do anything, and don't be anywhere. But if you really want your life to have impact, then as Paul goes on to say, take a stand for faith and be courageous and and be strong. But I think if you serve in ministry, you're serving the Lord, listen, just accept the fact that ministry is accompanied with adversity. It's a part of it. But don't focus on it. Jesus experienced adversity from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Moses experienced adversity when he was leading the children of Israel in the wilderness. Nehemiah experienced adversity when he was building the wall, right? The disciples experienced adversity when they preached the gospel in Jerusalem. were told not to. It's a part of life. Shall I say or dare I say, get over it? I have to say it to myself. Yeah, deal with it. It's okay. Peter said... Think it not strange when you encounter trials of various kinds. God's going to work in and through it. But Paul here says, if we are open to the possibility, no door will be closed for opportunity. You start each day open-handed to the Lord with your resources, open-hearted to God in whoever you meet in the divine appointments that you may have, in the people that you come across, to be a salt and a light and a witness and an ambassador to share Jesus Christ with others. If you're just open to the possibility of God doing something new and exciting and scary and difficult and challenging, but in God's will and for his purpose and sharing his love and being a disciple of Jesus Christ, there is no door of opportunity that is lacking in your life. I guess it's just lacking because I'm not looking for it. I'm not prepared for it. I'm not prayed up for it because I just pass right by it. No, I got other things to do. Wow, if God would just open up our vision to see what God is doing in our lives and for us to step in and to step on the what God is doing in other people's lives and to recognize that and then just to... To love and serve and minister to other people. But notice what he says. There's a great and effective door. Not only for Paul, but also for you and I and for his church. If COVID taught us anything, there is a great and mighty door of opportunity in the most difficult, darkest adversities. When it is the darkest, when it is the most difficult, for some reason, I don't know why, but I tend to thrive. Maybe, I don't know. For you, uh, probably not. Maybe. But... We can all thrive and we can all find great excitement and joy in letting the light of Jesus Christ shine even brighter or trying new things for for Jesus that we wouldn't have tried if we didn't have that opportunity. God wants to do something new in your week, coming week. So start each day, prayed up, open to those opportunities. Now notice what Paul does here in these final verses. He talks about a couple people. And he reminds the church how much of a blessing his fellow co-laborers are. Look at verse 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Now, Paul had many companions in his missionary journeys. One is Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in training by Paul. Paul called Timothy a son in the faith. He Joined Paul on many of his missionary journeys. he was a pastor of various churches, but he was a timid and fearful kind of guy, and Paul needed to encourage him, be strong in the faith, you got this, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, and these gifts are upon you, and you can serve, don't let people look down on you because of your youth and your young age, but be an example, set an example in your character and your conduct and in your speech and in your preaching and in your teaching. So, uh, Timothy was an encouragement to Paul. We also know Barnabas was an early uh, encourager to Paul. In fact, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And every single one of us needs people like this in our lives. They need um, people who would encourage us and and stir us on and and, and help us grow. In fact, he says of Timothy that he does the work of the Lord. And there's an acknowledgement of his ministry. Therefore, verse 11... Let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. And now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a more convenient time. So up until this point, we see Paul encourage the church to be generous towards the work of God. We also see him uh, encourage the church to look for opportunities in the mission of God. And then lastly, we're going to see... Paul invite the church to love the people of God, to invest our lives in the people of God with sincerity and with love. But before we get there, never underestimate the hope and the encouragement that comes from those who help you in ministry, those who would come alongside you. That's why I love our life groups, because they're a little different format than what we have on Sunday morning. Where in our life groups we're sitting around the living room and we just shared a meal and we're having some worship and we have our Bibles open and we're talking and we're going back and forth and we're bearing one another's burdens. We're praying for one another. We're we're helping and assisting. Listen, you and I were never designed to do the work of God or be a part of the mission of God alone. We need one another. We need the encouragement and support of one another and the fellowship that comes when. And the hope that comes. That's why um, I mentioned in the letter to, the, to um, the worship team. And I feel like I should just write a ton of letters to everybody in the church. And just mention, rattle them off name by name. But, um, but I said that the Lord is teaching me a valuable lesson. And unfortunately, uh, I'm a pretty hard-headed guy. And uh, it takes a long time for me to learn lessons. Can anyone relate? I don't know. Maybe it's just... I'm just bearing my heart here before you. Uh, so to learn these lessons, it takes some time, but I, Lord is teaching me over these past couple months that, um, that I am to release people and to let go of the ministry and to stay in my lane and help others go full speed for God in their lane. And so when I was able to look out on on our church and on our ministry and on our children's ministry and our youth ministry and the women's ministry and the men's ministry, and I can see people just fully shifted into their lane, it brought me so much hope. Because I looked to the left, I looked to the right, and I realized, oh, I don't have to figure it all out. Now, it's hard to do. It's very hard to do for An A, whatever they call those type of people. A type, there it is. Or a control person. It's hard to do. Why? Because things will not turn out the way that I wanted them to be. But that's the point of the lesson. It's so much more beautiful. It's so much better. More better. And that's horrible grammar. But it's so much more better -er than I could have ever engineered or managed when we see the hope and the help left and the right and the people, that we're doing this together. That's the point of all this. It's the body of Christ. We're doing the work of the Lord together. We're giving to the work of the Lord together. We're loving each other together. He says here in verse 13, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. I never know what to do with verses like that because it's like, How do you expand on that? You don't. You just read it, and you say, this is really good stuff. Lord, help me to be watchful, to stand fast, to be brave and strong. But verse 14, friends, verse 14 ties all of 1 Corinthians together. It's that thread that weaves through the unity that was so challenging for the church in Corinth in the early chapters. It's that thread that weaves through the spiritual gifts in between the practice and the purpose which is the perfection of love. It's that thread here that says, let all you do be done with love. Everyone say love. It's love. The love of God, the love for one another. Let all you do be done with love. And I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Wonderful. If you could have a little epitaph of some sort, a little commentary on your life. I think I heard on the radio recently that uh, the first date, our birth date, we have no control over. The end date, we possibly have a little bit but not a lot of control over. But we have a lot of control over what happens in that dash in between. And Paul says, invest, invest, in the things of God, but uh, also here's this wonderful commentary. They devoted themselves to the work and ministry of the Lord and that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of for Fortunatus, and Achaicus. So if you're looking for baby names right now, I think I, <laughs> I, I met somebody coming in today who's got a baby in the womb. So here you go. If you want your child to have a lot of fortune in life, fortunatus is the one for you. It's okay if you don't pick that one. I I won't be offended. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. Look at this, verse 18. For they refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such people. Friends, surround yourself with people who refresh your soul, who build you up who encourage you, not people who drain you and suck the life force out of you. Now, it's okay. We probably have some people like that. Be very gracious and loving and patient with them. But surround yourself with people who refresh your soul. And this type of love is the glue that holds all the pieces of serving the Lord and being together in the body of Christ together. You know this word refresh means to rest and to recover. It means someone in your life who says, sit down, I got this. It's okay it's gonna be all right let me take it from here do you have people like that in your life surround yourself with people who refresh and revive and encourage your soul such wonderful sweet people verse 19 the churches of Asia greet you Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So single men, this is not your verse. That was a joke. You guys can laugh, but maybe my delivery wasn't that great. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Gentlemen, that does not mean what you think it means. Purity, kindness, affection, brotherly love, fellowship with the saints. You see, godly fellowship is a mark of genuine discipleship. As we encourage one another. The salutation with my own hand, Paul says. He signs this letter with his own signature. And if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And my love be with you all in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to have our worship team come on up. And uh, don't tune out. I just want to encourage us with a couple of takeaways here. As we consider what Paul is saying here. One, That God desires us to live open-handed, generous with what he has provided for us. He encourages us to give consistently, thoughtfully, and proportionally. Pray about how you can contribute to the work of God, maybe in the local church, maybe through Quest Church, maybe in other ministries and in other ways. Listen, friends, this is not about building our kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom of heaven. It's about working together for the mission of God. And this week, you may have some opportunities to share Jesus, to step in with whatever influence or platform or position you may have to intentionally look for those opportunities to share the love of Jesus with others. But let's not forsake the care and the compassion and love that we can have for one another. And maybe you could write a letter to that person who works in the ministry here at Quest uh, you know, we don't send letters all that often, but it's really fun when you get one in the mail now. It's like, whoo, what is this? This is odd. This is strange. But when it comes from a heart that is just so appreciative, maybe you could encourage another person who has devoted themselves to the work of the ministry and the ministry of the saints so that we could be stirred on towards love and good works, courage. Loving, because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. How are you investing your life in the things of God? That's a question for us this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. What a wonderful chapter that hits on so many important factors of our life right now. Because our lives matter to you. We're not just waiting it out. Whether we're 88 or 8 We got breath in our lungs. We got work to do. And I pray that you would use all of us in mighty, wonderful, exciting, crazy ways. I pray your protection over these precious people who are serving you because there are adversaries. There's criticism, there's gossip, there's slander. There's pointing fingers. Lord Jesus, help them not to focus on any of that. But be brave and stand fast in the faith and courageous and strong and always respond in love. Thank you for this letter. That reminds us of the purity of the body of Christ. The diversity of our spiritual gifts. The fellowship that we have. The unity that we have. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you. We commit these things to you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.